Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320 WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-hosts, the pet experts themselves. First off is Mr. Rick Pruce from Pruce Pets. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Lee. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing beautiful. Thank you. Next off, we've got Dr. Will Schultz, who's here uh, from Schultz Veterinarian, recently retired. But boy, for a guy who's retired, he sure got a lot of energy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, well, we're on it today. Let's have fun today. <laughs> well, it's a great topic, so it should be easy. And our guest around the table with us is a returning guest. He's been here before, sometimes with a sidekick. His sidekick is not here today, but we have Mark Stevens, who is an educational program coordinator for Michigan State University, and he works on Project FISH, which is something obviously Rick is uh, very involved with, but he's also famous because, let's talk about it, let's lead with the news, Mark, you came in here with Howard Tanner, and for people who don't know Howard Tanner, he is someone who has made a huge dent on Michigan. And what I'd like you to do is share with our listeners, why is Howard Tanner an important man that people in Michigan ought to know to truly understand our history? Well, yeah, Howard is an incredible person, a credible mentor to me, and uh, he's a fish guy. And uh, back in 65, he actually introduced salmon to the Great Lakes. And uh, put his the first bucket of fish. In fact, in, on the DNR's uh, Facebook page, they have a post of Howard uh, putting fish in uh, to I think it's the Betsy River, and uh, and and then they have another picture of him 50 years later celebrating putting another bucket in. So that was <laughs> that amazing? was a while. Yeah, it was a while ago. And Howard just turned 100 years old. He was. He was truly part of the greatest generation, very inspirational. And uh, one of the things the DNR director at that time, he was the fish division chief, came back from Colorado um, after he did his research and, uh, and, and he went, came back to, to Michigan to be the fish division chief. Uh, the, the DNR director said, do something spectacular. And, uh, and, and Howard did. And we had that, at that time, there was a bunch of alewives wait, washing up on the beach. Now, alewives are fish that, that uh, basically is an invasive species. And at that time, they would die off in huge numbers after the winter um, and, uh, and, and wash up on our beaches. It just destroyed tourism and everything. So they wanted to have something that would stop that. So they wanted to put a predator out there. And Howard didn't see it that way. He saw it as... This is it, there's I have a predator fish that we could do salmon if we could get them and that's a food source for the salmon so you know it, it it's not going to eliminate the alewives that's not why we're putting them out there and people say well you're doing it for the alewives and he thought about it for a minute he said yeah I'll do it for the alewives <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was to create a sport fishing industry here in the state of Michigan, which has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Look at the west side of the state, drive there and just see some of the boats that are out there and they're all fishing boats and just incredible for the businesses. So he's he's a pretty special guy. Right, anytime you're on that part of the state, if you go to one of the inlets and you see them 
all day, all night, going out after the salmon, like yeah. all year. It's, it's a huge fishery that we didn't have. Yeah. And, and right now they are uh, collecting eggs. This is the time of the year when they start running up to the up the rivers to spawn. And uh, there's a bunch of weirs where there's egg takes. And uh, so it's because they, the DNR does raise them in hatcheries and put them into different lake, different locations, and they kind of manage the resource that way. And uh, they also have a program called Salmon in the Classroom, so they're taking eggs and then taking them to the to the uh, uh, hatcheries, and then the teachers all across the state are are getting some around November and putting them into aquaria and raising them for the whole year, so the kids get to see from egg to release, and then the kids get to go out on the on the rivers and release them in the in the. That's uh, an incredible program. It's great. Just just to give point of reference, though, because people may not think back that far. It may, they might not think back as far as I can think back, but I remember. Uh, Dr. Tanner as the actual director of the DNR. He was the director of the exactly. DNR. Exactly. Yeah, that, came that back came, after that program. Yep. Yeah, I would, I would figure that. And I remember him being in and of himself uh, a weather, rather well-respected uh, director. Oh, the he's the longest well. serving director of the I DNR gotcha. here I gotcha. in Michigan. Yeah. yeah. He, um, he actually left as the Vision Division chief. Um, and then came to MSU. Uh, MSU needed him to run the Department of Conservation, which was being newly uh, established there in the in the uh, uh, agriculture area. So they were kind of dividing up the um, the schools, and he came mm-hmm. to do the Department of Conservation, and uh, man of, was man. there for quite a, probably mm-hmm. eight years or so, uh, eight or nine years, and then came back, and then was the director in the seventies. For for quite the longest serving director, can you talk a little bit about you know uh, your relationship with him and how did you get to know who he was and and well, also how did you develop the relationship that you had with him because it seemed like uh, for me um, it was you know two peas in a pod but uh, we're gonna have to talk about that at the other side of our break great. and uh, that sounds like a super opportunity. Yeah, that, that's going to be a great conversation. Uh, we're talking this morning with Mark Stevens, and we will continue the talk about Howard Tanner reaching 100 years old. What an accomplishment. What a great man. Uh, we'll do it right here after the break on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. The Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we're talking this morning with Mark Stevens, who is the Educational Program Coordinator for Michigan State and works on Project Fish. And Mark, before the break, Rick had asked you the question, how did you and Dr. Tanner get hooked up with one another because you and he, it seems, are, are very close and have been for quite a while. Yeah, we, we're pretty close, yeah. Um, so Howard kind of heard about Project Fish and was interested about with Project Fish, and some people um, wanted me to connect with Howard, but it really happened that we had a horrible snowstorm once, and I was meeting with Howard on occasion. I liked the guy. He was kind of a fun guy, and we had a horrible snowstorm where the power went out in his house, and he had no place to go. All of his family was somewhere else, and my power was on in my house, so I said, Howard and Helen, 
come on over to my house. Was that and 2013 or was that a... I think it was 2013. Maybe, yeah, well, no, it was, it was earlier than that because I've known oh, Howard oh, much, okay. much longer. So another snowstorm. Yeah, yeah another snowstorm. Another snow good one. Yeah. And, but anyway, uh, so he came over and they spent Christmas with us. And, oh, and my God. It, it was crazy. You know, he was, I think oh. he was 89 at that time. So whatever snowstorm that was. And uh, they were both going upstairs in my, in, in, uh, mm. in, in my, uh, uh, upstairs kids bedrooms and the kids were home for Christmas and we had to switch things around and he just thought that was great that somebody that he didn't know really well but we had been meeting and we were you know we were friendly I took him fishing quite a bit during that time we would chat out in the boat um, and but but he thought that that was so so nice and his wife thought it was great and since that time we've been like going fishing all the time and just a good just a good what, what's interesting is um, Mark Live, lives and lived across the street from where we used to have a pet store. Yeah. And I and I can remember back <laughs> years before that, Mark taking a house that was a single-level house and putting a second story on it. And it was like, you know, you didn't move, didn't go elsewhere. You just yeah. said, okay, I'm going to revamp this whole thing. And had you not done that revamp, you wouldn't have had any rooms right. to meet or at least to get more involved with Howard Tanner. Exactly. Who wouldn't so. have? You're right. And, and yeah. it's a beautiful house yeah. now. You did a great job on that. Well, thank you. Yeah. 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 That's so. the total definition of serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely. it right, right yeah. there. Life, life takes crazy turns. Yeah. 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 So that's great that's that you opened them into your house and opened them into your heart. And uh, I can yeah. see, you know, these are two individuals that uh, I know for the township, anyhow, uh, they were constant and are constant uh, supporters of everything Absolutely. You know, the, yeah. the Harris Nature Center. I know that uh, the Tanners were always someone that we could count on if we needed some, you know, serious contributions yeah. and such. And Helen, you know, Helen was all about yeah. garden gardening projects. And, you yeah. know, she raised uh, $615,000 to purchase uh, some property for our land preservation program oh, there in yeah. North Meridian yeah. Park. She's uh, She was just an incredible lady. And, yeah. and Howard was very supportive of her, although yeah. he was busy with his efforts, too, yeah, as absolutely. well, all over absolutely. the state. And, and writing a book. Uh, writing a book. Yeah, his book took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And tell, a lady tell, the named audience, Carol, tell the audience what the book is. Well, the book is called uh, Something Spectacular, and it's basically uh, life stories. It's actually putting... putting uh, uh, the story of him putting salmon into the Great Lakes and then all what led up to that and, and you know, stories about hit the war when, you know, he was shot and he was in an avalanche and he was in, you know, he almost uh, missed the he, he missed the, the plane actually uh, that that actually went down in um, in in the uh, I think it was in the Philippines. And he would have he probably would not have been here if he didn't miss that boat. And the reason why he was missing he missed the boat is he was out fishing. Hey, couldn't so, be better. So, you know, he didn't get back in time to take the plane yeah, again. So his yeah. whole life is serendipity. And, what, and so that's well, what the book t- tells. Is that yeah, but I, wa- I want to talk about that for a quick second because that was one of the things that I most admired when we had him in here talking about the book because most people today, they can read about World War II. They can look at some documentaries that are on TV or YouTube or what have you. But when you imagine Howard out on a Pacific island trying to create runways <laughs> in the heat 
with oh. the disease, with the weather, with everything. And you're thinking, oh, well, now this guy, he, he can't handle anything. I mean, wow, it's cold. It's Christmas time. He might not have power. What does he care? This is a guy who was in a, a Pacific <laughs> <Yeah>. Island <laughs> creating runways. Well, he's younger in the Pacific Island days yeah, than he was right. when it was freezing cold. You yeah. know, watching yeah. watching Helen taking yeah. sticks out of the backyard when she's 89 and putting them in their fireplace to stay warm overnight. <laughs> Howard Dad. tried it for one night and he said, no, we're not doing that anymore. And I was like, I, I said, you need to come and stay with yeah, us. There, yeah, there's so. camping out and then there's glamping. So <laughs> yeah, they, they moved over to your house to go glamping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. It's pretty fun, yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, in the uh, end of his book, he states that he was, and this is back into the serendipity part of this, he put the salmon in at the exact time that you could probably do this, where nowadays to get through all oh. the the legalities of this Red now tape. to get everything done, you probably never could do this thing right. again. Right. And it's just it's an amazing thing that has changed. And, and gr- me growing up during this age, uh, listening, I, I remember all the issues with the gill nets that came in that they were trying to destroy it and we got it back and then controlling the lampreys yep. um, to keep his salmon, to keep his babies in the lake. Yeah, And it, it's created an incredible thing for the state of Michigan. I mean, he single-handedly has changed our state of Michigan. Yeah, they said it was the, the largest or the most successful bio-manipulation of a natural resource spe- uh, uh, system, ecosystem in the world. So it's yeah, and I, create and a I'm, world-class Well, well I'm, I'm quite familiar with one that went completely in the opposite direction because uh, I was associated with a, a Dr. Cooper who was a MSU professor. Dr. Bill at, Cooper? Yeah, yep, at, at MSU. Mm-hmm. And they took a little um, rover, little um, submersible rover. I think it was a actually not, not a manned one, but, but – uh, a remote control remote one control. down into Lake Victoria mm-hmm. on their way to visit either as Malawi or Tanganyika, yeah. right? And um, when they went down there, they discovered that the entire lake had gone, uh, well, terribly wrong. Let's just put it that way, because the anoxic zone in that lake mm-hmm. historically had always been only the, the lowest of uh, part of the lake, the, the the most deepest part, and when they went down there, they were only halfway down, and all of, all of a sudden they saw this incredible shrimp zone, uh, which basically mm-hmm. the shrimp could survive where the fish couldn't, but they couldn't survive any further down either, and it was halfway down the the drop, and that was totally unexpected, and consequented uh, it was was a consequence of introducing the Nile perch oh. to that lake. Right, and it, and and as it turns out, it ended up decimating. It was a late, about a f- uh, four fifths of the species that were naturally found in that lake <clears throat> disappeared as a result of that because they no longer had the niches to 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 happen, and they no longer and and the the ones that had these unique niches, the the fish that had these unique niches within the lake were consumed. They could no longer provide the same services to the lake. Uh, plant life, floating plant life then could grow and then die and then drop and then grow and die and drop and grow and die and drop because it didn't have the checks and balances. And before you knew it, the, the whole lake was collapsing as a result of introducing a sport fish. So there's a lot of risk associated with that. There's a lot that was on 
Dr. Tanner's shoulders. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, when he went to make that stab, yeah. and uh, you know, because bioengineering doesn't always always work. No, it doesn't. No, that so it was an experiment, but he felt that it was something that they could do and make it successful. You know, he had done some work with uh, uh, some folks out west. You know, when he was in Colorado, and with that, that, that's what he did. He he called up Washington. And they had an excess of eggs, coho eggs. So they said, well, let's try it here and. Uh, there was there was some work that had to be done before then. Right. I, I just can't right. even imagine doing that now. You you couldn't do it now, like you were saying. No. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, not going to happen. Can't. Yeah, and the good part is the eggs got used in the Great Lakes, and they didn't end up on somebody's plate for caviar. Right. So there, <laughs> little salmon caviar there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So that's so that's the thing about you know people don't know about lakes. They don't you know they drive by lakes every day and they don't understand what's underneath that water. Yeah, you know they see there's oh there's fish in there you know yeah no it's not there's fish yeah. in there yeah. there's a whole ecosystem yeah. that's what that's my job as project fish guy yeah you know we want to teach people to fish but we also want to teach them about being good stewards of that water where the fish are living right. and that's what project fish is all about and working with you with salmon in the classroom Rick for a long time you know yeah. you know salmon in the classroom is a DNR program and the DNR runs that but what I try to do with project fish is kind of supplement with the fishing component of that, which nice. is what the DNR is. That's how they that's how they get their dollars, right? Yeah, By right, buying right, fishing right, licenses. Right. In fact, last year we a couple of years ago we pushed again for the youth fishing license, which is something that is um, you can buy a fishing license um, when you're under 17. Now it's two dollars, which is great. So for every two every license sold in the state, the federal government gives the state back money. And uh, so every license sold. So if a kid's That's buying right. a two dollar license, right. here's ten dollars. What, what was the, the policy state. before? It was it was they when they reallocated the fishing license package, they um, they took that out because there were too many choices for uh, fishing licenses. So uh-huh. so uh, so uh, it, if somebody wanted that was younger wanted to fish, they had to just buy the adult license. No, or? they didn't have they didn't have to buy a license at all. Oh, I and see. Even now, it's a voluntary license. So but this you have to you have to fish with an adult with an active license to take oh. a child fishing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that. Our grandkids both all paid the two dollars. Yeah, why not? You know, oh, it's absolutely. two bucks. You collect coin, pop cans. You go right. out and you you know, and then and then the DNR gets money back. So all the programs that we do, we encourage the teachers to teach about it. Um, say if you're going to be a steward of our water, part of being a good steward is buying a fishing license. Right. Everybody should buy a fishing license even if you never fish because that's how our fisheries are managed that's how our biologists are managed and we have 50 percent of all of the uh fresh water in the country right here in the united states and we have uh only the amount of managers that we have all the other states have the same amount of managers we have for but but less water a lot less a lot less water so it's kind of an interesting thing we it, buy a fishing license. That's that's my message today. If you can, that's a good know. one. That that, yeah. that is a good one. Yeah. Um, and what is the state of affairs as far as the fishing world uh, over the last 10, 20 years? What's our culture doing in regards to fishing? Well, it's actually coming back since COVID, which is kind of nice. We had a 14% drop for a long time in fishing mm-hmm. license sales, and because of COVID, people are reaching out for things that they could do safely. And one of the things they can do safely with their families is go fishing. Yeah. Be outdoors, be away from people, go out and experience stuff. So you're seeing a whole culture of, of learning more about fishing. Women are getting into fishing more. Um, uh, minorities are getting into fishing a little bit more. Um, and, and But the women thing is, is very interesting. You know, they're the ones that hold the families together anyway, right? So if you teach a mom to fish... 
you got kids going fishing with them, right? right. <laughs> so exactly let's let's right. do it, right? Yeah. So most of the programs that I'm doing, I'm seeing a lot of young parents and a lot of who have never fished before coming out and saying, I'd like to learn to fish. So when we do our programs with our kids, parents have to be there so that they're learning right along with Well, that's the kids. fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I just thought of something while we were sitting here the other day. Uh, we, we had a, a new staff member that came in, and he's in his training, and you'd think he'd be all worried about, you know, uh, work and you know, he took his break and then he came back. He went down to the the river, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, fish? the Grand River, yeah. caught a muskie and then, and then came back to work. Wow, awesome! Uh, a, a muskie? Well, you, uh, not a muskie, a, uh, a, a pike. Yeah, a no, pike. A pike. Thank you. Well, it's it, whatever it was. It's an intriguing thing. It's a thing. big fish. It's a big for, fish. <laughs> well, but it's an intriguing thing for someone to do on a break at work. <laughs> well, that's somebody that really loves <laughs> to you, fish. You, you only get fifteen minutes. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's wow, not like even a lunch an hour. Ogre. Are you, Are you kidding me? It's not even a lunch hour. Where's that it's kid that just, we just hired? He's not right. fishing. He's been out there an hour. Well, the good news. The, the good news is he didn't drop a line inside a fish tank in Bruce Pat. Well, there's so, that. Well, <laughs> that's happened. Yeah, I believe. I, I believe one more it, cast, so. right? Uh, <laughs> Just but we need cast. to take a break. We'll come back after the break <laughs> with the conversation with Mark Stevens right here on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. It's 9:35, and we're back here with the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Mark Stevens, who is the Educational Program Coordinator for Michigan State, and he is working on Project Fish. Actually, I almost dare say he is Project <laughs> Fish, uh, I'm sure, based on his dedication. So uh, let's talk about that, Mark. What is Project Fish, and why do you do it, and how do people get involved with it? Well, that's, that's a good question, and why do I do it? I do it because I love to see kids catch their first fish. I love to see kids fishing, and we need to get more kids fishing, and Project Fish, I've been doing Project Fish since 1997 at Michigan State. So what's that, 25, 26 years now? Long time. And, uh, and, and so my job is to create fishing programs in communities all over the state. So I will train adults in techniques on getting kids fishing and having it fun for them and uh, to, to connect people. That's why it's called Friends Involved in Sport Fishing Heritage. So when I go into a community, we bring in different groups um, uh, from, from the Optimist Club to the Sportsman's Club to school groups to librarians to whoever wants to get trained to learn how to ki- teach kids to fish. And then, uh, then we partner those people together and then support them. We'll go mm. and do programs with them. We'll teach them how to do things. Um, they, oh, do you know this guy? You should connect with this guy because this guy in this community has been doing this for a while, and he would love to help you. You know, So bringing those people together to get kids fishing is what, what we try to do. In fact, we're working with a group now. They just started uh, down in Detroit, and now they're getting a lot of support from the DNR. And there's a group called We Fixin' to Fish. Oh, which is pretty it's it. a it's a great name and when i saw that name originally when i talked to tracy for the first time um she 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 was like well she's a registered nurse this lady she's a registered nurse and her passion is to go fishing and oh, her passion her. now is to get kids fishing and families and so they've been fishing on belle isle and they go they do about four or five programs all over so when i started working with her connecting people together again, giving her people to contact and she contacted everybody. And uh, now they're 
the DNR supporting her. We have the Future Angler Foundation out of Minnesota supporting her and all these folks. It's just the craziest thing, and she's doing great stuff, and that's, that's what we want to do. Uh, is get more people fishing like that. And, and it's very interesting. Your your avenue or approach is the only thing that really makes any sense, and that's organic. You know, from, mm-hmm. from the, you know, you try to, from above, you know, essentially command people to fish. Right. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But you get it back to the, essentially the village, if yep. you will, and get everybody inspired to do something. That makes a whole lot more sense. And that is, and it's that still is tough. what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. and, 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 and it's got to be tough. You know, my job at this point, you know, I've been doing this for 26 years. So what I like to do is mentor other people. So I'll go to a program when they've never done something before, and I'll show my techniques to those folks and have fun. Because I love to have fun with kids. That's, you know, that's uh-huh. what it's all about. You know, okay. you make jokes, yeah. you have fun, you yeah. show them how to do stuff, they feel safe. And uh, so when they see those techniques, they try them on, they're like, this is, this is good stuff. So we, we need to do this kind of thing, you know, and then show people how to, how to do things. I'm not saying that, you know, my way is the way at yeah. all. It's just that it works. I know it works and kids have fun just from reviews and things like that. Yeah, right, right. Fish, now, I'm know. just curious, um, Michigan's a big state, including an upper peninsula. Yeah. There, You know, how, how do you influence the entire state? Yeah, I don't get to the UP very much. I do have volunteers. I do a statewide program uh, uh, training um, at, at Michigan State during A&R Week. And a lot of, uh, it, you know, there's extension programs all over the state. There's 83 counties with extension employees in it. Uh-huh. And a number of them have interest in natural resources fields or youth youth development, 4-H is, is the big thing. So a lot of those um, agents... Well, they're called educators now. They used to be 4-H agents. Now they're not. But anyway, um, they come to do a training, and then they take what they learn to the UP or whatever. So I have a few folks that are in nice. the UP that are doing that. Or I'll work with the tribes up there. You know, they're doing uh, education in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll get some folks trained in that. Um, so it's it's they come to a training or I go there. If, you know, sometimes... Uh, getting to the UP is tough, you know, when you got a two-day training, you know, yeah. and you have all the equipment for the two-day training, you got to pack it in a car or something and then get it up there. Um, that's that's kind of tough. Um, but if they can come to us, then it works pretty well. Yeah, You're great. That's great. And the kid levels, age levels, what age are they after? Well, it's, you know, 4-H is basically 5 through 16 or, okay. you know, that kind of thing. But uh, there, there's, you know, pre and post 5 to 16, but that's about the age. Perfect age to teach kids to fish is around 9 years old, 9 and 10. You know, fourth grade, you know fourth grade, that's what they target a lot of. uh, The Salmon and Classroom program is targeted at kind of that age group just to get kids excited about, you know, something. And they, 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 they're like sponges at that point, you know, they just suck up everything. Yeah, right. And you know, you're talking too about the Detroit fishery. The Detroit River is like a walleye capital of the world. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, in the spring, if nobody's been down there fishing, um, it's, you have a, what, a 12 fish limit, I think, or something, 14 fish per person. And you'll catch that in 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's, if you want to have somebody to have fun fishing, uh, we went down a couple of years ago with a guide and I hooked into a sturgeon huh? and you can catch them. Obviously it's a catch and release. Um, and all these boats are there and it was the craziest thing on earth. We got this like, what, seven, 10 pound test line I'm using with a 50 inch sturgeon on the end. And it's, and you don't know it's a sturgeon, but it, this fish is taking our boat all up and down the <laughs> you river. You pretty much know it's a sturgeon yeah, yeah, at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the walleye people are drifting with the current because you bounce your bait on the yeah. bottom. Yeah. But, but it's a great place to teach a kid to fish because yeah. you are going to catch 
catch fish. Well, at that, you know, that's a good point because this, we fix in the fish program, they do it during, um, just after the big peak walleye, there's a white bass run. A white you bass know, run. It's, it's just, you know, you're catching three pound fish continuously. Like you can't even get to the bottom. You just hook, 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 hook. Right. And, uh, and that's, it's a blast. And, and if you <laughs> it's seen a lot them, of fun. Yeah. White bass are like a fish on a uh, crack or something. They are... <laughs> They jet up to the boat, so we're, if we're down there musky fishing, they'll follow a lure and sometimes so and sometimes so a really really big smallmouth. The, uh, musky lures are yeah. huge, but the white bass will come blasting in five or six of them at a time after it, and you go like, God, if you're in this water and you're a little fish, you're in trouble down there. Yeah. But they they literally attack a bait, and they're yeah. Very the easy the to cool catch. thing about that is that um, it doesn't matter if you catch the fish in these programs. Doesn't matter if you catch if someone catches a fish. Right. It's just everybody there is so excited. And congratulations! Oh, slapping them on the back. Can I get your picture? It's just so exciting. It's it, you know, it's it's catching, and that's the that's the really cool thing right. about it. And if you catch that just that one fish, but you fished all day, and that one fish was caught, it doesn't matter. They'll be back because they saw that fish caught. I want to yeah. I want to catch yeah. a fish there, like that. Yeah. How did they do that, you know? Yeah. So they come back to try. And that's that's the whole thing about fishing with a group of people. So that's Yeah, it adds a thrill to it. I yeah. I'm, I'm just so. curious the you know, I, I think on on the show we've talked about different areas of the state um Tawas being a place for bird watching. What is it about the Detroit River and the, you know, the fishing uh, capacity of that area that what, what's what's the biological it's incredible it's that the fishery because it's just the crossroads of St. Clair well, St. Clair is yeah. an incredibly healthy lake yeah you know and, it, and it's, it, it's a it has all the plants it has everything it has the small fish the bigger fish the you know it has the levels of fish that, that, mm. that support everything yeah and there's a you know that whole connection between you know Erie and St. Clair the river you know and then and then it just, just all the dynamics it, just are there. all the dynamics are there for an incredible yeah. fishery yeah. and it is it is you know the perch perch industry there is great you know there, there, we need to do some some control of some of the effluents that are going in you know to the because it's such a big city that you have you know contaminants in fact the other day we couldn't go down to detroit because wayne county we, we had a program scheduled and wayne county after that last big storm uh oh, yeah. put a, an announcement out that you can't go to the water because there was combined sewer overflow going into the system and yeah. and they didn't want people to eat the fish or touch the water or be in touch with the water at that point so they put a uh an, a, a what do they call it a warning out and uh so we had to cancel that program and reschedule it. So yeah. Yeah, that was just, one of the things that Dr. Tanner spoke about in the book and his, and his acknowledgments yeah. at the end of the book is that we've come a long ways, but we still have like overflow. Where does all this water go? So it hits the sewage plant, yeah. and the overflow goes in the Red Cedar, goes into the into the Detroit yeah. River, and um, it's it's a I, big issue for plant life and killing animals when that happens too. We're we're, we're on a I know from a federal mandate we're on a. Uh, a march to separate those things, right. uh, yeah. which is great. The problem is, is it's billions and billions, it's a lot billions of, money. of dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To basically, change your entire infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. you you were on that whole thing when we do, yeah. did that combined sewer overflow thing. I yeah, remember yeah, that, that yeah. mission that you were on. Yeah, yeah. I, I came up with a, a slogan, and it was. Uh, I don't know. It was like 1.6 billion, yeah. which was the number of gallons that would be saved if if we just finished the project here in Lansing. As far as how much sewage that would no longer be going into the, right. we had we had kids marching the uh, 
uh, parade. parade. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah. great, right? That's good. Well, I think, Mark, well, the one thing I will say that can definitely draw more people to fishing, or maybe not, is the fact that now everyone has a camera out there. So the that's days right. of fishing stories yeah. are completely over well, that's what because I mean. you're, you're seeing the size, you're seeing it up close. When somebody says they caught something, yeah. you know, it used to be it was a story, but now it's like, you didn't catch anything. Yeah, I, need you proof. I need yeah. proof. So what did we do on the last break? I opened up my cell phone and showed him some musky pictures. Well, there you yeah. go. So, well, we need to take one more break. Uh, we'll be back, though, and continue the conversation with Mark Stevens right here at 1320 WILS. The MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And boy, what a great show we've been having this morning talking with Mark Stevens, who is the Educational Program Coordinator for Project Fish and other things for Michigan State University. And Rick, you had the question to start us off for this segment. Well, the, the thought process during the break, we kind of discussed this back and forth, but um, there's people in their living room listening to the show and uh, probably, you know, from parents to even kids and such that probably have differences of opinion on the value of fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it involves pulling a fish from the water. Um, maybe it's eaten. Maybe it's not eaten. Maybe it's a sport fish. Maybe it goes back in the water. Yeah. Um, can you comment, uh, because you've been doing this for you know, 20 some years, years. you're going to be 30, 30 years pretty soon. Um, and, and you have as much enthusiasm about this and the idea of teaching children about fishing as you did when I first met you on this topic. Explain to me why, explain to us why this fishing makes sense in today's culture. Yeah, that's a good question, Rick, because, uh, um, there is those, there are folks out there that have the question, well, why do you need to fish? Why do you do that? My wife asked me that all the time. You know, why are you holding that fish up to take a picture? You know, and it's like, it's, it's something that this is a, this is a management technique for our resource. All right. You get, you can get stunted bluegills in a pond where the, nothing, there's no large predators in there. And, uh, and, and the, the fish will just, um, you know, overpopulate. You got fish that are two inches long that are having babies, and the whole pond is stunted. You know, with bluegill, and, and you know, people might say, "Well, then, then that, that, just leave it like that." You know, but then if we just left the system and never fished, and nobody used the system, then all the other things that are happening with that lake or whatever, those uses are going to be gone too, because there's not going to be dollars for management because the the monies that we spend on licenses actually manage the fishery and try to keep it so that it's successful for everybody. That's You're trying to keep, you know, there are people who are unethical when it comes to fishing. So we talk about that in the Project Fish program in our training. Okay. It's like there's people with different ethics. And uh, we, we had a whole situation up in the UP where a guy was ice fishing and he would dump a bunch of corn, which corn is not in the water, in an ice hole so he could see the perch come in there easier so he can target them while they're, you know, while he's fishing. So people say, well, that's unethical. You're polluting the water. Well, you know, they, it's illegal too. Well, no, it's not illegal. You can do that. That's not a problem. Fish will eat that. You'll have carp come in and eat that stuff. But would I do it as an angler? So those are the things that happen. And, you know, do you catch, you know, we try to be as as 
ethical as possible. If you don't feel comfortable doing that thing, then don't do that thing. You know, I, during, uh, the other thing that you brought up, which kind of ties into this, is you were showing me a hook. Now, I grew up. And hooks were all like hooks. They'd have a that you know you you know what a hook looks like, right? Sure. Yeah. But you're but you you and the doctor were talking about a, a circle hook. Yeah, circle and hooks. Are, explain that because that yeah. to me drove home the the you know hey there this isn't a static sport or a static exercise or an ex, you know fun thing to do. It evolves, and yeah. it evolves with with ethics, with, with absolutely with, with yeah. compassion. Yeah, and it's you know, a little bit about ethics that. are you know what you do when no one's watching, right? Right. So, you know, right. it's it's, it's just good. something that that so so if you can be better to that fish because you know you're pulling them out of the water and you're causing some stress to the fish and stuff. But if you're going to throw that fish back, then what we use with with the kids programs because we don't keep all of the fish because when you have eighty to hundred kids fishing, you know we're throwing them back. They're not keeping them all. You can deplete a system them pretty easily if you keep doing that um but uh so we do a catch and release program with with most of the kids when we're doing the teaching and then they can do whatever they want on their own if they want to catch them and keep them clean them and all that stuff and eat them yeah but the circle hooks actually catch the fish in their lips right in their faces instead of deep down inside a j hook is it's a j okay so that point is kind of sticking out so if it the fish gets it deep in them like it's swallowed a little bit then it can hook something internally you know like they're around their gill area and, so, and it's also barbed yeah and so it's when got it a hooks barb. you can't get it out yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, well that's what it's supposed it, out, it keeps right? the bait on and that's it keeps right. the fish from throwing it or whatever right. so um the circle hooks basically it's just a circle and it's a little point that goes up next to the to the shank and so when you pull it if it did swallow it and you pull it it will come out enough just to catch their lip so it's not going to hook something internally on them and you'll see that down in florida you have to fish on on boats and things like that like charter boats or whatever because you're catching grouper and things like that Mm -hmm. and uh and some of those fish have to go back um and so they're so easy to take out as well when uh when they're in the water. So a lot of times they'll keep fish in the water and just reach down with pliers and just kind of turn that circle hook in their mouth. You can't do that if it's deep down inside. Them. No. So they, so it, and it does some damage when it's down inside and they bleed and out of their gills and they probably wouldn't make it. I mean, you know, fish are pretty hardy when it comes to stuff like that. They're eating stuff that are cutting their, you know, gills and they're, you know, they're, they're eating stuff all the time that might hurt them and, you know, spines of other fish and they'll get it turned in their mouth. You've probably seen videos of a big fish with another fish in their mouth, like, and the fish is dying because it can't get it yeah, down. Yeah, not a good you know, idea. Got it the wrong way or yeah, whatever, yeah, you know, not a good something idea. like that. Yeah, so, so yeah, we try to, you, you teach ethics. You teach being good practices when you're out there in the field. You need to clean up after yourself, you know. And Do you teach them how to dress the fish? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I've, I saw one with a tuxedo the other day. <laughs> that's an old, nice. that's an old thing, nice. man. Ka-ding, I don't yeah. have nice. my that's, did a, did a, did a, that's an old thing. <laughs> Howard yeah. used to say that to me all yeah. the time. He's like, oh, we yeah. got to dress these fish now. I'm like, yeah, put them in a tuxedo. Yeah. So, so, and even when you say clean the fish, it's like, well, you're going to get soap and water soap and you're going to clean yeah. it. So yeah, we, so so the We Fix in the Fish program, I was showing the p- folks how to do it. They're, we're going to show them how to cut the fish. So yes. that's, yeah. you know, that's, yeah, so that's what we were doing. Just we were, straight, straight up. Just straight up, you know. Right. We're going to cut the fish. So we cut them, cut them. We cut them and uh, show them how to, you know, skin them, clean them, all that stuff, and then get them prepared if they're going to use it. Because, you know, a lot of folks may rely on fish for their food. Yeah. And that time of the year, um, when when the silver bass 
white oh, mass, yeah, white whatever, mass. are running, um, there's people shoulder to shoulder catching as many fish as they can because that's what they're going to eat. Right. Yeah, and there's a, there's a little controversy about that too because it says in the Eat Safe Fish Guide that that's not a fish that you should be eating out of that area that size. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like you're bringing a resource. You know, they put a big pier out there um, down in uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service did down in uh, Trenton, and um, that's it's one of those things like. It's an ethical choice. Are they going to eat that? That's a, something that people choose right. to either eat it or not. And some mm-hmm. of these people rely on fish, and maybe they're not the best for them, but they have protein. You know, and, you know, and, so. and uh, going back, I hate to go backwards for this, but I didn't get this in. When we were talking about circle hooks, when we, in my days of trout fishing, because now it's more mm-hmm. musky fishing, but mm-hmm. in the trout fishing, we would take a pair of pliers and take the barbs off the hooks because trout aren't fish that typically swallow. You're not on a bobber. Uh, you not have live bait, so it's artificial bait. And so you take the barb off, so you have a pointed hook, and it'll hook them, but to take the hook out is instantaneous. And, and it's basically like a needle in your skin is all it is. So when you take a barb hook out, you have to push it off. And anybody that's out there that's ever hooked themselves like I have, um, with a hook, you got to get a pair of pliers, put the hook all the way through the other way, cut the barb off, and then pull the hook out backwards. Uh, it's it's a fun chore sometimes if it's in the top <laughs> of your head or your ear. <laughs> yeah, I always talk about with the kids. You ever seen those people with lots of pierced ears? You know, like lots of they're just bad fishermen. Yeah, there's one. I, I still have a <laughs> kids spot. are all laughing yeah, about I'm that. Showing you know, the spot a, on my ear. Well, from a Howard, bait. one thing I, yeah. that you did talk about, or excuse me, Mark, that you did talk about, and that I think is an issue to teach these young kids. My wife used to go fishing on our lake with the 12-year-old boy next door. And I didn't realize until today what a cheater he was because (laughs) he had corn out there going into the water. And he and my wife were pulling out these two-foot fish out of our lake. Probably carp. If they were carp, it was good for them. Yeah, and and I I was so proud of them. I'm like, wow, how are you doing this? Everyone else is pulling these little things out. Well, well, if you're interested in getting involved in Project Fish, we do all kinds of stuff. We do, you know, there's fundraising that we do. You know, this program's not free. It's not cheap. Um, you know, I'm the only employee basically with Project Fish. Everybody else is uh, volunteers, but we want to have an endowment so this program lasts after I don't last. Right. So we want to keep it going. So you can you can go to our website if you ever want to support it or know somebody that's got a lot of cash and they want to, you know, leave a legacy or something like that. Uh, projectfish.org is our website and you can donate there. Fantastic. So well, Mark, get involved. Yeah. before you do disappear, we're going to probably need to have you back here because we've got some pri- some uh, salmon in the classroom oh, discussions yeah. that we're yes. going to want to have with you. But we want to thank you so much for coming in today. It was a fun conversation and a useful conversation, and we appreciate your time. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and uh, awesome. nice, nice being here. Thank you. Our pleasure. And unfortunately, the time is up for this week's show, but on behalf of our birthday boy producer, Bruce Warner. Hey, Bruce. Oh, Happy along, birthday, Bruce. <laughs> along with my co-host in the studio, Rick Bruce and Dr. Schultz, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend, a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. 